1: And because sanctification is a lifelong process, we as Christians are daily engaged in this battle between the flesh and the spirit. And if you think you're alone, you're not.
0: There are those within the church, of course, that say once saved, always saved. But no one says once sanctified, always sanctified. No, it's a process becoming more like Christ, hopefully every minute of every day of every week of every month. Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse, a look at God's Word one verse at a time with Pastor Layton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And I'm Mike Trout. Thank you for joining me. We're coming down to the end of a sermon series on the subject of doctrines of the church. Here's Pastor Layton.
1: Now, the Bible uses the term salvation in many tenses. The verb to save appears in virtually every possible tense of the Greek language. There is a sense in which we were saved. We were saved from the foundation of the world. We were being saved by the work of God in history. We are saved by being in a justified state before God in Christ. We are being saved That is being sanctified and made holy by the work of God's Holy Spirit within us. And we will be saved. Speaking of the consummation of our redemption in heaven on judgment day. So the Bible speaks of salvation in the past, present, and future tense. The reason that Jesus did all of those things that were described in those doctrines is to save us. And so today we want to begin a study of uh, the three doctrines that are directly related to salvation. They are human depravity, the necessity of God's grace, and the necessity of faith. These are three topics that directly focus upon and relate to salvation. Now God is a personal being and he wants a personal relationship with us humans. Human depravity means that every human is spiritually ...separated from God and incapable of saving himself. When Adam sinned, he died spiritually and his relationship with God was severed. And then all of his descendants are dead in trespasses. And Jesus tells us in John chapter 3 that unless there is a new birth from above, that no one can enter this life. So what is it about this doctrine of human depravity that we need to believe... That we are sinful, and that we cannot please God by our own good works alone. That we can never be good enough. Why is that important? It's important because if we don't understand that, we might try to reach out to God through some other fashion other than the one he has provided. And that is inevitably going to lead to failure. And that failure is going to result in our eternal separation from God. There is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now of all of the creatures that God made, he made man unique. In Genesis 1, we find this description. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Sometimes in Scripture, when you find the word man, it means mankind, as it does here. And of all God's creatures, only mankind has been said to have been made in His image. We were called to have dominion over the land, the sea, and the air. We were appointed vice regents or governors on behalf of God to represent Him. We had a line of communication through which we could communicate. But something terrible happened when Adam and Eve made the decision to eat of the forbidden fruit. That line of communication was severed. And our image was tarnished. We are not what we were created to be. We're not what we were created to be. When you look at the scriptures, it says, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. Now, humans are made of a material body and an immaterial soul or spirit. And the biblical view of a human differs greatly from the old Greek philosophical dualistic philosophies of body and soul. They perceive body and soul is in conflict, and their conclusion was that the body was inherently evil. Anything physical was evil. Anything spiritual was good. And so this physical body was a, a container, if you will, for the soul. And so for the Greek, salvation meant redemption from the body, when the, when the soul is released from the body. And you can understand why they could draw such a conclusion without the benefit of God's Word, because they tried to, without the benefit of God's Word, observe and draw conclusions. And one of the things we all experience is there seems to be a disconnect between us and our bodies. Uh, For instance, tell your body it's time to fast. Will your body complain? Loudly. You know what's really funny? Is if you don't tell your body you're going to fast, you just missed the meal because you were too busy, the body doesn't complain. It's as though the body has a mind of its own and it's in conflict with you. So, based on this observation and others, and the fact that they didn't have the benefit of God's word, that's how they, they drew their conclusion. You know, this philosophy still affects and, and, and permeates the church. In the church, people still struggle with the residuals of this uh, philosophy. Uh, they differentiate their soul from their body, and they say, you know, the body's going back to dust, so it really doesn't matter what I'm doing in the body anyway. As long as my soul is good, we're good. That. Doesn't line up with the scripture because the Bible says that both our body and our soul are important and both are going to be redeemed. Now, the Apostle Paul speaks of a, a conflict or a, a war that every believer experiences between the spirit and the flesh, and Paul does not teach this Greek dualistic philosophy. You see, the biblical view of the body is that it was created good by God. And it's not inherently evil. But the body, like the soul, suffers from a moral corruption because of sin. We're sinful both in our body and our soul. So Christianity doesn't teach redemption from the body. It, it teaches redemption of the body and the soul. Now the word for body in Greek is soma. But there's another word that's used in scripture, sarx, which is translated flesh. And sometimes the words are used as synonyms. But in the scripture, often when you find them, especially in contrast with the word spirit, that it's it's not talking about a physical body, it's talking about the corrupt fallen nature of human beings, sarx. Now what happens is is when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and resides within us and empowers us in such a fashion that sin no longer has dominion over us or control, complete control over us, but still it's not completely destroyed. And because sanctification is a lifelong process, we as Christians are daily engaged in this battle between the flesh and the spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is going to win in the end, and aren't you glad for that? But in the meantime, this struggle can be very, very intense. And if you think you're alone, you're not. Even the Apostle Paul, who Many of us might consider to be one of the greatest Christians who ever lived. Was very candid about his own struggle in Romans chapter 7. And that's why I wanted you to to read it. I want us to read it together in Romans chapter 7. Because if you're feeling overwhelmed in the struggle against sin, you need to know you're not alone. Listen to what Paul writes. I'm beginning at verse 14. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing it. It's that sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It's that sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Well, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians in our in our history of the church, is talking about this struggle that he had with this old fallen nature of rebellion and sin.
0: Do you find it encouraging? Maybe that's not the right way to put it, but you know what I mean, that even the Apostle Paul struggled in these areas. We need a renewing of our mind every single day, don't we? This is Study Verse by Verse. It's a broadcast outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, and the congregation supports this outreach, at least in part, so that you can hear this teaching Monday through Friday. If you'd like to know more about the church and maybe help with this broadcast financially, go to the website highlands.us or give them a call at 650-873-4095. We'll continue this message tomorrow as we move toward the conclusion of this series. Have a great rest of your day and come back on Friday for more Study Verse by Verse.